And hello, we are live here on YouTube. Oh my God, the vagaries, the excitement of, uh, of being live. Okay, but here we are. Ah, it's been a it's been a week. It's been a really good week. There have been a lot of really good things happening. I have been super super excited. We did a live interview here this week, which posted yesterday. You guys have seen that with Katherine Olson. Um, uh, excellent. Okay, good. Everything is coming across great. So, um, yeah. And then I've got I've got more coming this next week. Uh, I've got some exciting things happening. I've got more with Catherine. We've got an interview with another person that is uh, that it should be quite interesting. Um, hello, Ventura. Hey, everybody, coming in on the comments here. Um, Yes, thank you very much, Cynthia, for that. For that, I um, yes, it was officially done this week, so I get to uh, ride that little wave of fun and congratulations for a few more days uh, of of having completed my degree. So um, so happy days there, and um, but mostly I am um, yeah yeah Xion. It was interesting. Um, uh, let's go ahead and put the uh, comments screen up here and see how that comes across. I tried to, oh good, I tried to bump up the size of the comments and it looks like it did. So you can see them a little bit more uh, easily. I can never test the, uh, the comments that appear on the, on the side of the screen. Which side are they appearing on? Um, this way. Yeah, these comments. I can never... Uh, I could never quite tell until the show goes live what they're going to look like. A little hard to test them. But anyway, yes, thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much for all of your kudos um, about my uh, graduation. I am very, very happy about that. Finally got to put those letters up by my name on my YouTube screen. There is no more Critical Thinker at large. I am, I am not going to be using that moniker anymore. Uh, certainly still going to be pushing Critical Thinking. Uh, like you guys wouldn't believe, but I won't be identifying that way. I am now just little old me, Chris Shelton, and uh, no labels necessary. Uh, yeah, you do. You don't have to call me Doctor Sheldon. I'm not 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 a doctor yet. Um, we'll see. Uh, it, you know what happens in the future, but I don't have any plans right now on going further with my education. But we'll see. You know, there is there. What I do have plans to do for everybody who uh, wants to know is um, this is now given me um, a kind of academic. Uh, what's the word? Um, access. So now I have, um, you know, kind of more access to the literature, to the to the academic work that's out there. And um, that allows me to do more research and more writing in an academic way, uh, you know, in terms of publishing some uh, papers or work. And, I, and uh, you know, and I'm going to see about co-authoring with my, uh, with Rod uh, Marshall, Dubur Marshall, who was my professor, and uh, other academics who I am now working with. Uh, and I don't know how much I can or can't say as far as how close to the vest we're holding certain things, but uh, you know, Scientology-related research and writing is in the future on this. Academic writing is slow. Publishing is slow. I can't just put out, you know, write something, bang it out in an afternoon, and publish it up on my blog or get it out to you guys 
when it comes to that kind of work. It's much, much, much more rigorous. And so it'll take a while for me to get my research results from my work, my, my, my master's work, put into a publishable form. But I'm, but I am working on that, uh, as well as working on another book that I'm working with somebody else on about Scientology that is not an academic work, but is a big, important work. And there's a lot of research and stuff going into that. And then I'm trying to get these, you know, the videos that I promised forever to you guys also done. So I've got kind of a lot of balls in the air right now. I, I, I kind of always do, but I'm just kind of letting you guys know where things are at right now. And now that, um, thank you again, guys, for these wonderful comments. Um, so, uh, so it's kind of, you know, so my struggle here is trying to figure out how to push all of the different things I want to get done forward and get the content out to you guys and keep the channel going and the podcast interviews going and get these projects done. And so you see, I, you know, I bite off a lot. I really do. And I, I, you know, I try to tell myself I really don't. And I try to tell myself I should just be banging this stuff out. But I really do kind of take on a lot. So um, anyway, well, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Um, okay, so let's start answering some of your questions. This is a critical Q&A show. Um, I am waiting for, by the way, in terms of for the rest of the week and stuff, hopefully I will have my board back and everything back in working order so that this Friday we can do our critical conversations or maybe even sooner we can do a live show. If As soon as I get my board back and everything's back in order, I am going to go live because I want to do that Tom Cruise's ego show that we did not do on Friday. I've got a whole little uh, list of talking points here. These are, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so advanced. I, I'm so organized with my shows. This is how I organize my talking points is on post-it notes when we do our shows. But, um, but this is the Tom Cruise's ego show right here. <laughs> so I got some things to talk about and, uh, and things you guys might not have heard before or, uh, or related to with Tom Cruise and Scientology stuff. So anyway, looking forward to doing that. But this is Q&A. So let's go ahead and get to your questions. You guys have started asking and uh, let's start answering. Um, oh, glitching. Well, I hope that's not, that's not so great. I have to say that when we moved, one thing that is a little out of my control and I'm, uh, is the uh, bandwidth. Uh, we are in a geography, we're in a zip code where the bandwidth is not really that great. And I, that really sucks. And I'm trying to see if I can bump that up uh, with uh, Comcast. Um, okay. Um, yeah, Tom Cruise may have an ego, but he still makes some great movies. Uh, I, I, that's very subjective opinion. <laughs> I don't happen to agree with that. But uh, I will agree that Tom Cruise has made some good movies in the past when he has a director and writer that are not him. Uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of buttering his ego all over the production. Uh, but that hasn't really been the case since the 90s. Anyway, okay, so let's go to here. Um, okay, first off, X Cyan asks, I watched your interview with Katherine Olson, thought it was amazing that you both knew so much of the same people in Scientology. 
do you like reminiscing about all the amazing stories? I, I you know, it was interesting because mid-interview when Catherine was sitting here and we were talking, I was thinking about how much we were connecting and relating on, on people that we knew uh, together or that places we had been or how we had crossed paths. So it is, it was fun. It was really kind of nice to make those personal connections in both of our stories and, and our time together uh, or in Scientology and the Sea Org. So yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, not everybody I interview or talk with, I can make those kind of connections with, but I, I try to find common ground with all of my interview subjects. Um, okay, Vernon uh, Salvatieri, uh, Salvatiera, sorry about my pronunciation there. Hi, Chris, what do Scientologists believe happens to people who die in school shootings? Do they believe that they will get another body and another, another life? Thank you. Yes, Vernon, they do. Everybody, no matter what the circumstances of their life or death, in the world of Scientology, according to its belief system, uh, you are an immortal spiritual being. Your body is really no more significant to you as a living entity than a, pa than a, a pair of shoes you're wearing or clothes you're wearing. That's about how much importance it has to you in the bigger real picture of your existence. And this is a, this is a very empowering belief. This is, a, this, is a, this is a belief that gives you the idea that you're going to live forever, that there is no death. Uh, there is the loss of a body and a life and the connections that you had in that life. And that is kind of a loss, but it's really no more of a loss than if you, you know, were to lose your wallet. It would suck. You wouldn't have an identity. You know, you'd be kind of like, ooh, whoa, you know, and, uh, that, that kind of thing. But, um, but you, as a living being, continue on. Uh, you forget from life to life to life what happened to you in the past because of various mental factors and, and things that are done to you. Uh, you know, you are implanted between lives by you know, nefarious forces so that you don't remember what happened to you before, but the memories are all there and Scientology claims that through its auditing process you can recover those memories and have a full recall of all of your past lives and experiences. So yeah, that's, that's the belief in Scientology. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, okay, and then Vernon also asks, what would happen if you walked inside the Denver org? Would they recognize you? Okay, I'm gonna take, this is a guess on my part because I have only walked past the Denver org. It's downtown in, in downtown Denver by, by the baseball field and I've only been down there a couple times uh, near where the actual Church of Scientology of Denver is located. Um, when I was in the Sea Org, by the way, I came out to Denver and, did, and I was out here for a few weeks doing Sea Org recruitment and they were in a different location. I was very familiar with the staff and the Denver area then, but that was many, many, many years ago. That was over 20 years ago. So I'm really not very familiar with Denver. I didn't spend a lot of time in the, as a Sea Org member or as a Scientologist uh, here in Denver. I didn't, you know, I wasn't that super familiar with the Denver area or the field out here. I wasn't. I didn't get in touch with a lot of the, you know, the mainline Scientologists or the big heavy hitters out here. So it was really only after I left Scientology and the Sea Org that I moved here. So I'm really not super familiar with them. So if I, I say all that so that you know that if I walked into the Denver Org, they may or may not recognize me. I, I, I really don't know. 
Um, I don't think all the staff have been like super briefed on me or watch out for Chris Shelton because I've been doing this for years. I've been here in Denver for six years now, over six years now in terms of living here. And um, so I don't think they're terrified of me or anything. Some of them might recognize me. Some of them might not. There was, um, there was a point uh, after I started speaking out when I moved here to Denver, maybe about a year or two after I moved here, where I saw um, some Denver staff at a park do, at, a, at a sort of a, um, what the festival. And they had a booth, they had a book booth, and they were trying to sell Dianetics and, and Scientology books, and they had the meters out, and they were doing pinch tests and stuff, and pressure, or what do they call stress tests. And um, I talked to them, I engaged with them, and they didn't know me, they didn't recognize me at all, and I sort of talked a little bit around the idea of science, and you know, how is Dianetics a science? It doesn't really look like a science. And clearly the person I was talking to had no idea what a science really was because she kept insisting it's a science even though it's, I was asking her questions about, you know, it's scientific principles and she had nothing. She was just trying to get me to buy the book. Uh, so I have engaged to that degree once, but in terms of walking into the org, they would kick me out pretty fast. I'm pretty sure that somebody would clue in uh, and if they didn't, then, you know, who knows? They might try to sign me up or sell me up on, on something. But, uh, you know, fat chance I'm never going to go in there and give them any money. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um, I do have a question about Tom Cruise. I saw that for filming Maverick, he filmed 80 plus HES. I'm not, oh, whoops, anyway, that's unusual for a movie. Do you think he was trying to teach the Scientology way? I don't know what your question is there, Alasha. He filmed 80 plus HES. I'm not sure what your question is. If you could clarify that for me, I will be happy to answer. Um, let's see, Vernon. Wow, Vernon's a lot, of, a lot of questions today. This is excellent. Did you know any Scientologists who were gay in the Sea Org? Did you report them? Uh, no, I did not know any gay Scientologists in the Sea Org. You absolutely positively do not confess to, you know, gay stuff. Um, actually, actually, I should say there were, there were two times where it came up that somebody had, um, there was a woman who was accused of, um, you know, acts of sexual, out, what they call out 2D. They wouldn't call it homosexual or gay. They call it out 2D. They, they generalize it. Um, and she was accused of, you know, uh, of homosexual, you know, uh, lesbian activity or kissing a girl. That happened twice. There were two women I saw, actually, where they received ethics justice actions, were removed from their jobs until they stopped being that way or claimed that they were no longer that way or that they didn't have any interest in girls and stuff. Oh, actually three, three, uh, now that I come to mind, because Nora, uh, who I've interviewed, Nora Crest, right? She and I have, uh, have done videos together and she detailed her whole experience with getting busted as a, you know, as having lesbian thoughts and, uh, and, and whatnot in the Sea Org. So I did know them uh, and no, I did not report them. I, they got reported, but not by me. Um, okay, good. Thanks, Jonathan, for letting me know the glitching stopped. Um, yeah, Dianetics doesn't make too much sense. Hey, Denmark. Welcome to the show. 
I am P. Marie, and let's see. Oh, Angela. Okay, here's a great question. Angela Henley asks, I still don't understand what you guys really do since there typically is no faith. How do you get up the bridge just by auditing? Okay, that's a great question uh, for a total outsider in the, into Scientology. And as far as what you guys really do, I, I hope it's clear I'm no longer a Scientologist and I'm not doing Scientology. This is not a pro-Scientology show. I'm not pimping for Scientology or promoting it. I am very against Scientology. It is a mind-controlling, destructive cult. And it's a money-making scam that is really only interested in taking your money from you. Uh, so, to be clear, that's, that's my position on it. Now, having said that, and just, just to make sure, Angela, um, the way it works is that Scientology is not about worship of an external God figure. There is no creator figure or deity that you are worshiping or giving over power to. In Scientology, it's about self-empowerment. It is about you becoming a God. Uh, and they call this in Scientology an operating Thetan or an OT. And the highest levels of Scientology, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ascended master faith. And what that means is that you are climbing like the Freemasons or uh, like the, um, you know, the so-called Illuminati or whatever. You have levels that you are climbing and those levels are actually levels of deep thought reform and indoctrination. You are being brainwashed step by step by step up this line and you are given over to believe that as you are doing the auditing processes, there are lots and lots of different processes that address different spheres of activity or, or different subject matter, communication, problems, uh, upsets or um, antagonisms in your life, uh, hostilities, uh, fixed conditions. These are things that are addressed at the lower levels of Scientology with auditing. And through the auditing processes, you get audited and audited and audited for lots and lots of hours, hundreds of hours. And through this process, you are supposed to come to a series of realizations about yourself and about Scientology, such as, and these are supposed to be realizations that result in you having higher degrees of ability and understanding about life. That's not really what's going on, but that's what's, that's what nominally, that's what's supposed to be happening. So you believe, for example, that when you do Scientology auditing at the level called grade zero, excuse me, that you are being audited on the subject of communication. And so you are, you are addressing communication difficulties and barriers and problems that you've had in the past. And through those processes, you're supposed to come to a series of realizations where you uh, decide, basically, or, or realize that you are able to communicate with anybody about anything. And you really don't have any barriers or, or, or considerations or reasons not to. And so you now have this ability. It doesn't mean that you're going to go talk to everybody about everything and you compulsively have to do that. It means you could, by choice, decide to communicate or not communicate. And what you choose to communicate no longer has any personal embarrassment or problems or issues connected with it. 
right? And so you, it's up to you as to what you do or don't want to talk about, but you have the ability to talk about whatever you want. That's theoretical. That's the, in, in theory, that's what grade zero is supposed to give you. Um, then grade one does the same thing around the subject of problems and you get addressed a lot of different processes or auditing addresses the subject of problems and so you deal with that on and on and on and these various levels excuse me uh, of awareness and ability are supposed to get you step by step by step up to this state of godhood that is called operating Thetan, okay? And, and, and once you get up to what are called the OT levels on this step-by-step -step ladder, uh, that's when you're in the confidential bands of Scientology. And that's when you get the Xenu stuff and the body Thetan stuff and all this hush-hush stuff that, that most Scientologists don't know about. And, um, and by doing those processes, your spiritual awareness increases is the theoretical idea here and um, and that's how you um, progress in Scientology okay that's the that's what they're doing in Scientology I hope that makes sense Angela but that's that's basically the answer to the question uh, so I hope that makes sense and of course ask me anything else if you want I've also done a couple videos breaking down all of those levels because there's not only auditing levels, there are also training or classes that you can take where you learn how to become an auditor. And through the process of learning how to become an auditor, you learn about Hubbard's theories about the mind and the spirit and how it all works. The auditing doesn't teach you too much about that. So the training side is supposed to fill in all the knowledge gaps that you have and teach you understanding about how life itself is put together. And it's all according to L. Ron Hubbard's ideas. And of course, at the end of the day, L. Ron Hubbard's ideas are completely whack and they're not real and they don't work. But this is the theory, you know, the theoretical explanation for it. So I hope, anyway, I said, I hope that all makes sense. Okay, um, and then Xion asks, Catherine Olson lives near enough to you so you can visit each other now and then? Yeah, 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 we had lunch. <laughs> Absolutely, she's here in Denver. Uh, okay, moving along here. Cynthia uh, asks, what is your opinion on the Depp Heard trial? Is there a situation in, is there a situation, an example of a destructive relationship? And who do you think was the dominant one? Okay. Cynthia, here is my take on this. Since you've asked for it, I've, I really kind of have uh, been a little quiet about that whole thing. But I do happen to um, have a connection to a connection to Johnny Depp. And that gives me a little bit more inside information, at least on that side of the, of the picture. Um, but I admit, I only have that side. I don't have an inside line to Amber Heard's world. Um, and, and, but from the observation that I've made of the trial and the, and the testimony and the, the various witnesses and stuff and watching the, the, the sort of the layout of how it all went down and knowing what I know about intimate partner violence and coercive control and how, you know, domestic violence works. And I had, and I did study that as part of my program. That wasn't just a side activity. That was very much part of what we were covering. 
So I'm, un I, I'm aware of uh, Duluth models and other models of, of intimate partner violence and treatment for domestic violence abusers and that kind of thing. Um, my take on it is that Amber looks like the abuser in that situation, right? That's my take on it. From the, from the, from the data that I have, she appears to have um, some pretty serious mental disorders that, that provoke a lot of anger and a lot of hostility out of her. And, um, and people have a real hard time accepting that out of beautiful people. You know, when, when, when somebody is very aesthetically pleasing and presents very well, and Amber Heard most definitely does, uh, and she's far from the only kind of person, the only abuser who, who presents well, uh, Tom Cruise is another example of somebody who is an outright predator. He's just outright abusive, right? The guy's a narcissistic megalomaniac. Um, but he looks so good. He's got such a winning smile. He makes action movies that are so fun to watch. Amber Heard less so. She's not a megastar the same way on the same stage that Tom Cruise is. But that same level of public disbelief, merely based on appearance alone, you get all kinds of contentious arguments and, and stuff on social media over this because people just can't believe that somebody that gorgeous or beautiful could be so such a monster. They just can't. It just doesn't compute for them. I don't know why. I really don't understand it. It, doesn't, it makes complete sense to me, but a lot of people just can't go there. Um, and of course, with it, cases like this, you've got an awful lot of he said, she said. And so you get this idea that, well, Johnny kind of deserved it, or well, he invited her into her life and into his life. So, you know, he was kind of asking for it and that kind of thing. And I don't agree with that at all. I don't think blaming the victim is at all a, a correct approach when it comes to domestic violence and abuse. But, you know, that's what people are going to do. So you got all kinds of hot takes on this all over the place. Um, you know, I, again, I have a little bit more education on this. So I look at it and go, well, you know, what I look at are red flags of her, of her behavior. And there's an awful lot of them. Um, it came up in the testimony, it comes up in her psyche vows, it comes up in uh, the history, it comes up in her relationships, you know, the pattern of her relationships, there, there's, there are patterns there you can look at. And when you have a steady stream of broken relationships in your past, you know, it's not that everybody else is the asshole at that point. You know, you're kind of like, hey, the, what's the common thing here? You. Right. And in this case, it's Amber. Uh, Amber Heard's got a got a very long trail of, of broken relationships behind her. That's a sign. Right. That's a red flag. So I look at that stuff and I kind of go, yeah, I don't think she's the good guy here. Um, and that's my that's my hot take. You know, uh, you know, I could be I, I have to say I could be completely wrong and I could have it all backwards. But um, but I don't think so. I think that's, uh, I think that's, uh, I think Johnny was uh, the victim of an awful lot of domestic abuse there. Okay, moving right along. Uh, Ex-Cyan, does it give you the creeps when you walk by Scientology orgs? Not anymore. Uh, I used to be, I used to, when I would go out to LA and, and visited uh, the, the pack base, I think my stomach might still do a little bit of flippy floppies if I was around there, just because there's so much history. But I don't have a problem walking by the Denver org or the Portland org or, you know, Seattle org or something like that. That's not a, that's not really an issue for me anymore. 
Uh, okay, moving along here with the questions. Um, these are good questions. Darla, hello, Chris. Do you think that if one had a mother who went her entire life without being diagnosed with a mental illness, do you think the things you speak about apply to this situation? Uh, Darla, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you to clarify that question. I'm not sure what what you mean when you ask me the things I speak about apply to that situation. Um, please, please clarify your question and I will, I will try to answer. Vernon, is psychiatry still using electroshock? Yes, ECT is still a treatment modality that is used, but it is used on a hell of a lot less than it used to be used. And the, uh, the sort of humanity of it uh, in terms of the drugs that are used and the pain medications that are used and the voltages, I guess, that are used uh, are significantly, I, I believe, uh, from what I've seen and heard, I, I believe are different than how it used to be in, say, the what you, re what you see represented in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or early uh, films and videos of, of, uh, of ECT. ECT is a, is a treatment modality I don't particularly agree with. I don't think that it's, it's a... It's a kind of desperate Hail Mary move as far as I'm concerned. I don't think, uh, you know, flowing electricity through a brain is necessarily the way to go about treating somebody. Um, that's my take on it, you know, but I'm not an expert. I'm certainly not a psychiatrist, but it, uh, I still find the, concept, the entire concept of ECT a bit disturbing, and I don't really approve of it. Um, I do know, having said that, I have to acknowledge that there are cases where people have felt and claimed improvement as a result of receiving ECT. So, you know, for those cases, it's not on me to judge those people or say, well, that, that shouldn't have happened or they shouldn't have gotten that treatment. But I don't think we're talking about a lots and lots of people there. It's a, it's a pretty narrow niche treatment that's used after, as I understand it, a lot of other treatments have already been attempted and didn't particularly produce the results wanted. So that's my, that's my understanding of electroshock. Uh, okay. Oh, David asks about Mother's Day in the Sea Org or in Scientology. Inside and outside the Sea Org, uh, totally ignorant. Uh, how, how, how got me thinking about how that day is thought of by Scientologists. Mother's Day and Father's Day are totally individual for Scientologists. Some Scientologists are, you know, into it and others are not. Kind of depends on how much you like your mom or dad, I think. But, um, but it's not, it's, uh, no, it's not ignored. I mean, when, when, when I was in the Sea Org, I believe, if I remember right, I, I would routinely contact my mom or dad on Mother's Day or Father's Day and, you know, wish them a good day. But, you know, I had a real close line with my parents um, comparatively compared to other Sea Org members who would blow it off or ignore it or wouldn't pay attention to it or, oh, Mother's Day, okay. You know, so some people were closer to their parents than others and would pay more attention to it. But it was kind of more that that determined it than the Scientology influence, I think. Um, okay. All right, moving right along. Um, oh, hours. Uh, okay. Alashi clarifies. Hey, sorry, I'm at 80 plus hours. 
this is the Tom Cruise question. He stated he had to teach actors about lighting, editing, sound, etc., which is super strange for a feature film. Actors' only jobs are usually the acting. Yeah, this is Tom Cruise's ego. This is that whole, this is what I'm talking about, right? Is Tom Cruise thinks he's like the shit of all shits. He thinks he's like the, the cream of the crop and nobody could possibly compare to his genius. Uh, that is literally where that guy lives. And so he's bragging about how he, you know, had to teach everybody and talk about how it's all important. And he actually put, I read uh, over a year ago, that um, that the actors who were who were in that movie had to go do a bunch of education on flying in the Navy. And I think they had to go out and do tests or whatever and had to report daily in writing to Tom Cruise their successes and their gains in their training or education. And I might have a I might not be remembering that completely right, but that's what I that's pretty much what I remember reading. Um, Tom Cruise is, an, is, is, is the ultimate control freak, right? And, 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 and as an executive producer of the movie, which I'm pretty sure he was, he has more power and control over the production than just being an actor. But you're absolutely right that at the end of the day, the guy's just an actor. He's really nothing special. But he's got this ego and this brand and this reputation and, and other actors are so intimidated and freaked out by him and his intensity that they just, you know, that they kind of, uh, and then they're, they're kind of pushed to talk very favorably about him and never, ever criticize him. Anybody who works with him it's a little weird, isn't it? Nobody ever has anything bad to say about him. It's weird, right? And that's, that's a sign of coercive control and influence. So anyway, uh, people could say, oh no, it's a sign that Tom Cruise is a really great guy. No, sorry, but no, I actually know better. <laughs> it's not that he's a great guy. That interpretation is just not ever going to be the right one. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, okay. Gary Roberts. Hey, Chris, could Shelly be ill if, for instance, if she had Parkinson's, DM wouldn't be able to parade her on stage to shut up Lee and keep up Scientology, cures everything? Yeah, Gary, absolutely. There, there, it could very well be that Shelly Miscavige is uh, terminally or non-terminally but chronically ill or uh, weakened or you know, in some exhausted state or something like that where she can't be paraded out. But quite honestly, the reason she's not paraded out is because David Miscavige doesn't think he owes the world a goddamn thing. So he doesn't owe anybody an explanation and he doesn't care about everybody asking, where's Shelley? He doesn't care. He is under zero obligation to report anything to anybody. So Shelly could be in great shape. Shelly could be in awful shape. Uh, reports are the only eyewitness, you know, reports from a few years ago that we have via Tony's blog, uh, The Underground Bunker, if you guys haven't read it, check it out, um, indicate that she was uh, kept under guard, that she looked meek and uh, sort of uh, hollow-eyed and not really very uh, good, kind of gaunt. So I, I, I would tend to think that, it's, uh, that it, it could be a distinct possibility that she could be uh, physically ill. 
or incapacitated in some fashion or certainly not up to you know full speed um, kind of par for the course for Sea Org members overall these days you know as we've been going over so um, but yeah you know that could be a point but I don't think the thing that's keeping David Miscavige from trotting Shelley out is her physical condition I think it's just that he's a monster and he just doesn't care and that's that's the bottom line with with Shelley as I can as, as I see it um, yeah Raymond Vanderstelt isn't it frustrating to you that Scientology is funded by rich persons or families what could be their motivation to give so much money is the same motivation as every other Scientologist the, the, the desire to achieve godhood and power and influence and ability and 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 eternity uh, you know an immortality Scientology is about that and it's about giving you you know the carrot that they're dangling in front of people is immortality and personal spiritual freedom and godhood and you know supernatural psychic ability and all that i mean that's that's kind of what's out there and minimally even if you don't go for all that even if you go yeah yeah supernatural but you know whatever even if you're just looking for peace of mind self-awareness self-actualization and you know the ultimate in mindfulness or something scientology promises all that too so you don't necessarily have to be kind of nuts and crazy to give over lots and lots and lots of money to Scientology. You could have very practical, realistic goals for yourself on a spiritual level and think that that's what you're accomplishing. And, you know, what, what else in the world is going to give you that or promise you that? Well, there's all kinds of things. But for Scientologists, they have gone in on... L. Ron Hubbard and his ideas and they think Dianetics and Scientology makes all kinds of sense and let's never forget the auditing right the euphoria the dopamine hits the you know the serotonin hits the you know the the, the chemical oh my god this is causing me to feel amazing you know uh, that is a for people who don't understand that uh, and don't and misinterpret those feelings uh, they think Scientology is producing miracles for them, you know, that it makes them feel so good. And that's, you know, and, and rich people are just as susceptible to those feelings and they have just as many emotional needs as you and I do. So money's not really the, the, the issue when it comes to, to that, right, as far as uh, uh, their motivation. Uh, the motivation is, you know, biochemical. Okay, uh, it's great questions today. Xion, does Tom Cruise have a staff of Sea Org members assigned to him at his beck and call? Uh, let me just check up. I'm a little bit behind here. Good, we still seem to be good. All right, going back here. All right, does Tom Cruise have a staff of Sea Org members assigned to him at his beck and call at all times? What do you think it would take to get Tom Cruise to leave Scientology? Man, you really ask the easy questions, don't you? <laughs> Um, Tom Cruise definitely has handlers and as, as far as I know from when I was in he did have Sea Org members permanently assigned to him. I don't know that you have the job of 
Tom Cruise's steward or something like that. Maybe they rotate people. I, I'm really not sure how it works on the nuts and bolts level, but I am, I was told and I did read that Tom Cruise had various Sea Org members assigned to him to do various specific tasks or to kind of handle him and watch him and that kind of thing. And it wasn't like the Sea Org were superior to him. It was more like they were junior to him, but they were there to service him and help him and call him sir or, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, how high, sir. I mean, Tom Cruise is all about this. And, um, you know, I was just told a story the other day about how he was at Flag and, and uh, a, a public Scientologist was walking and wasn't paying attention and bumped into him. And Cruz had just come out of the course room or was, was you know, was, was there and uh, had his whole entourage and all of that. And uh, apparently Tom Cruise was real big on writing reports on Scientologists who didn't show him the proper level of respect. Didn't call him sir. Didn't get the fuck out of his way when he was walking down the hall, right? Tom Cruise is all about Tom Cruise. And if you cross him or get in his way or distract him in some fashion, you're going to be in trouble. You will get sec checked in Scientology just as a public person because you got it because you crossed his path the wrong way. And remember that Scientology mind control is such that you're gonna rework the narrative of your encounter with Tom Cruise so you were the bad guy there. You got in his way, you were distracted, you made him, you know, whatever. And so it's all on you, right? And that's gonna be the end result of your, of your handling with him. So anyway, just to kind of throw that out there. So what would it take to get Tom Cruise to leave Scientology? Hell if I know. Because Scientology goes out of its way, David Miscavige and the Sea Org go way, way far out of their way to empower Tom Cruise's ego and empower his narcissism and, and victimize Scientologists and Sea Org members who displease him. So he's getting everything he wants in a concentrated form in Scientology, right? The big wide world worships him. It's bad enough that people who have no business worshiping Tom Cruise do so out of gross levels of ignorance and stupidity, right? But in the Sea Org and the Scientology bubble world where he, where he likes to live, it's concentrated worship. And so, you know, you're kind of like, what would wake him up from that? I don't know, you know, I, and I don't know that he's the kind of person who's, who's going to wake up, you know, uh, who's going to want to, you know, in any way. So that's what I got there. Uh, okay, let's see here. What's that now? In Denmark, they have a gay Scientology group in Scientology. Uh, please link me to whatever you're, you know about on that. I definitely am curious about this gay Scientology group in, in Denmark. Um, okay. Um, all right. 
Uh, thank you, Angela, I think. Okay. Just trying to... Okay. PM. Vernon, when I work... Okay. Um... Okay, saves human lives. Thanks you, thank you, PM, for that input on the on the ECT. That's good to know. Um, okay, Vernon, another question: Does the Nation of Islam still collaborate with Scientology? Yes, they do. They're still fully partners. Don't public Scientologists know that this organization is anti-Jewish, anti-white, and so on? Uh, yes and no. Some some Scientologists are more so than others. I, I'm actually not aware of any Scientologists who. Um, who are like, you know, really fully aware of what NOI is all about. I think most of them don't really look into it very much um, because Miscavige and, you know, because there are allies. So even if, even if a Scientologist knows that that Nation of Islam or Farrakhan are all about anti-Jew and anti-white and the white devils and all that whole messaging, they think as Scientologists they're the exception to those rules or to those ideas. And they're in good with the NOI. And the NOI is in good with Scientology. So it's one big happy partnership against the rest of the world. Because remember, Scientologists are just as anti-social and anti-society as the NOI are. Scientology has the same level of whack conspiracy theories and hatred toward non-Scientologists as the NOI does toward non-NOI members. I mean, they, th this is a bosom buddy relationship. They have a lot in common. So it's not like the Scientologists are the sensible ones in that relationship, you know? Okay, uh, good, good question though, really good question. Okay, Earl, what parts of Scientology do you still accept as real and true? For example, past lives and rebirth. Uh, Earl, I don't accept any Scientology as real and true. Certainly not past lives and rebirth. Uh, you know, no. Uh, yep, yep, yes, my mic is on, but apparently it's a little quiet. You might need to turn up your volume. We're coping this week with my laugh. Sorry if I'm uh, not as loud as I should be. Um, okay. What happens to Scientologists who can't afford it? They're not Scientologists for very long. <laughs> I mean, basically, that's the answer. You know, they're not. They, they, if you can't afford to do Scientology, you ain't doing it. Uh, so you basically, what ends up happening, though, is you actually do stay in the church, but um, you tend to just kind of hang out. You go to events, you do extension courses, you, you know, you co-audit, you spend an awful lot of time doing cheap services and trying to make money and trying to use Scientology to improve the conditions of your life to make more money so that you can do more Scientology. But it's an interesting coincidence. I was just talking to somebody the other day about this. It's an interesting coincidence that all the whales and the really rich Scientologists generally were rich before they got into Scientology. Scientology doesn't really enable a whole lot of people to get rich. It really, it really actually bankrupts them more often than not. Uh, there's a lot of bankruptcies in that group. Anyway, so yeah. Um, okay, thank you for the comment on the AA being a destructive cult. Um, I agree that AA groups, individual groups, can, can become can have destructive cult dynamics. But the model of AA is not a destructive cult. There is a difference. 
Um, however, that doesn't mean that at the individual group level, you can't have really abusive stuff going on. You can, and there are abusive and culty AA groups. But the whole thing as a, as a structural entity, it, it just doesn't seem to check all the boxes. You know, there's too much choice, there's too much power of choice, and there's not enough authoritarian control in that group to call it a destructive cult. Nor is there active deception or deceit. You, you do understand what's happening at each point. There's not confidential hidden stuff. You know, they're just waiting to throw at you and stuff like that. Um, anyway, just to address that comment there. But thank you for, for your comment on that. Um, okay, Vernon, can I give, with my master's, can I give individual counseling to people? Are you able to diagnose people with whatever mental condition they may have? No, I am not a, a practitioner or counselor or therapist. My, I am an academic researcher. That is more the, the, in the line of what my degree empowers me to do. Uh, there are people who are licensed counselors or therapists who have done the, the program. The Psychology of Coercive Control program does not train counselors to counsel, but it does talk about, there is a whole section on counseling and therapy and treatment modalities. So I learned an awful lot about treatment modalities that I didn't know about before, um, but I'm not trained to do counseling. I do, on the other hand, consulting. And what I mean by that is I will not give you individual counseling or therapy on you because I'm not, I'm not trained to do so. But if you have a situation with a family friend or yourself recovering from Scientology or another cult or something like that, and you want some advice or direction or like, what do I do? How do I help get my family member out? How do I talk to them? What do I do? That's the kind of thing that I can consult on. And I do do that. And I, and I, and I have hourly rates. But if you want to contact me about that, you can. I don't really talk about that enough. So since, it, since you asked. Uh, good question, Vernon. Okay, Tim. Uh, yes, thank you for that. All right, good. Um, Yes, no, I'm not a prescriber of, of medication. That is a psychiatrist. You have to have a medical degree for that or be a general practitioner. I am not that. Uh, okay, let's see what just find the first time is the pattern is what she said was mind blowing. Yes, exactly. Okay, it's about Amber Heard. That's right. Okay, um, let's see. Hey, it turns people. All right, totally get it on the AA thing. We can go back and forth on that, but. Um, my, my, my assessment of AA is, is, is pretty clear. It's not a destructive cult. Um, okay. When I was in Scientology. Okay. You know, Chris, when I was in Scientology, Jay Warren says, I was smoking pot every time I wasn't at the org. I was so stressed and they never got it on the meter. So that actually started my doubts about it. Yep. Good job there, Jay. That's exactly the kind of thing that will create that kind of you know, mental schism and get you wondering what's up. So good, good, good. Uh, let's see here. Okay, Xcyan says, I was sent a bunch of Scientology materials that I never ordered and it was charged to money that I still have an account there. Isn't that a criminal action? Uh, technically, it could be. And, and if you were to contact your local law enforcement or an attorney, and ask them about that, they might be able to give you a more better a better answer than me. I, I'm not sure exactly what criminal statute is violated there, but I'm pretty sure you've got some kind of fraud. 
And I believe that, yeah, you could make a case for that X sign. So um, I, I recommend that, have that having that happen to you, you contact a lawyer or uh, local law enforcement and see what they have to say about it. Because uh, I think you, you might have a, uh, you might be onto something. Uh, okay. Okay. Hmm. Oh, Cynthia, how is your mom and dad? How is your son? Can he come or you go see him in the next year? Um, my mom and dad are fine. And in fact, I'll be visiting my mom in a few weeks out in California. Um, my son's fine. We are not really in a lot of touch because I went off social media, kind of lost that line with him. I'm back on Twitter, by the way, guys. So you can find me at Chris Shelton uh, MSC on Twitter if you want to follow me there. And I will be setting up this next week. I'll be getting back onto Facebook in some fashion, setting up a Facebook page. Um, and I hope to, uh, of course, through that, reconnect with, uh, with Josh that way. Uh, he, is, he is also just living his life. And so like me, when I was his age, uh, you know, we, we, we talk infrequently and that is pretty much by choice. Uh, it's all good. Okay. Um, oh, uh, Hey hun asks, Chris, could you give an explanation of the information full hat, please? Are you referring to the, I think you're referring to the, uh, office of special affairs. There's a, there's a check sheet out there. Scientology classes or courses are taught with a check sheet. You have a, 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 a series of steps that you read or do in order to get through a class in Scientology. And the information full hat here uh, that you refer to is a specific course for teaching spy work uh, and data analysis in Scientology. And it's for Sea Org members who work in the Office of Special Affairs. Uh, a full hat is the is the training that you need for your job in Scientology. That's the simplest way I can explain it. And so the information full hat is the full training course for how to deal with data analysis and information and retrieval and all that in the Office of Special Affairs. So that's their spy craft course, basically. Uh, it's not something any public Scientologist would do. It's not something any public Scientologist would even know about. Uh, you're seeing behind the scenes, behind the curtain a little bit there with that check sheet. Uh, but you can find it online if you guys are interested. Just Google it and it will come up and you'll see all kinds of interesting conspiratorial spy work kind of stuff uh, on that check sheet. Okay, uh, moving right along here. You know, we're making, oh wow, damn, an hour's already passed. We're gonna be wrapping up pretty soon. Let me see if I can get, at least get caught up where we were. I'm still so far behind. Um, oh, okay, Darla, thank you for clarifying. Let's, let's, let's get to your clarified question here. As in, can a parent have behavioral control over you with physical abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse, creating cognitive dissonance? Yeah, of course, of course they can. Um, absolutely, parents do that all the time. Uh, it's called an abusive relationship. Um, and parents can be abusers or predators just like an intimate partner can, just like a cult leader can. Uh, you know, that's that, absolutely that can happen. Um, okay, Max. Oh, Max Santos asks, 
Why hasn't Scientology developed upon their wacky mythology? Did they lose the sci-fi muse Hubbard? Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard died in 1986. So Scientology hasn't had any new material, uh, so to speak, since then and can't. You know, the old, that, this is why David Miscavige, every time he comes up with something new, he has to always connect it back to L. Ron Hubbard. We've, we dug up some writings. We found out L. Ron Hubbard wanted it this way, not that way. According to L. Ron Hubbard's instructions, we changed this and that and the other thing. There's only so much traction you can get with that, but Miscavige just keeps stretching it and keeps stretching it. Um, but they don't develop the wacky mythology anymore because most of the, see, because Scientologists believe that L. Ron Hubbard's mythology and data and the, and the subject of Scientology is a complete, integrated, logically consistent system. They believe that. They take it on faith that, that, that the body of work that is Scientology, the bulletins and the lectures and all of it combined, is an integrated whole that will give you every answer to every question you've ever had about life and the mind and spirituality and our existence. So they don't think that there's something wacky about it because they're not really thinking about it and trying to tear it apart. That's what I do now. But when I was in, I was positive, and as are all other Scientologists, that it's a whole system. And if you don't get it or understand it, it's because you haven't studied it all or you haven't audited it all and you don't know about it all yet because it's a huge body of work. So you're always telling yourself that the next lecture, the next bulletin, the next issue is gonna clarify everything for you. And it's you who are deficient in your knowledge. It's not the subject that's wrong. You're the one who doesn't yet get it all. And that's why you keep striving and working to understand it. The reality is that Scientology is not an integrated whole, it is not logically consistent, and it's as full of holes as Swiss cheese. And it's those questions, those unanswered questions, the paths that aren't ever walked, the, 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 the knowledge that doesn't exist there, you keep thinking it is, and it does exist, and you just need to find it. And it's those unanswered questions, those mysteries that kind of keep you stuck to it. And you can't really break away because you keep asking these, well, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? There must be the answers here somewhere and you keep digging around. And you can spend years and years and years, like I did, trying to find those answers. And ultimately, Ultimately, after you've gone through all the books and all the lectures, and, and believe me, that takes years and years of, of work because there's just so much of it, you can finally go through it all and realize, oh, <laughs> it's, I got taken for a ride, you know, and that's what happens. 
Um, but that's why Scientology has not developed upon their wacky mythology, is because they don't need to. The, the, the incompleteness of it, the, the wackiness of it, is the feature. It's not a bug. It's, it's by design that it's that way, and I, I, I hope that makes sense. It's part of the mind control that you don't get all the answers and you keep looking for them. That's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to say. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, Xion, yes, Scientology is a severe cult. And that's why I said a lot of the answers in my Is It Culty video with Jonathan this last week. That's why I said severe, because, you know, from my perspective now, looking at other cults and looking at Scientology and looking at the methods of control and all of those characteristics, Scientology is one of the worst. It's, it, is a, it is a very destructive cult. Um, okay, good, great questions. Um, Yeah, David asks, David Wigginsodder asks, what would Chris Shelton before the rabbit hole red pill think of the OT levels? You've mentioned that when you finally read them, when you already out, you were disappointed and didn't make sense. Yeah, I, I believe, David, that if I were in the church as a believing Scientologist and I had made it to the OT levels, I believe I would have accepted them because I was in a mindset that I just described where all the answers are here and I just need to figure it out. So this information, the body thetans and the Xenu and all of that, I would have gone deep. I would have gone as deep as I could have into that information and I would have tried to make it make sense. And I would have even gone historical and looked at history and geography and geology and all of that. And I would have seen that the answers Hubbard provides do not match up with what geologists and astrophysicists and these kind of people have to say. And I would have concluded that they were all wrong and L. Ron Hubbard was right. That's where I would have gone as a Scientologist because I wasn't anybody special when I was in Scientology. I was a Kool-Aid drinker as much as anybody else in that group. You know, so I would have bought into it and it would have taken me a while to undo that. Um, I am actually very thankful that I didn't have to do that and get to those levels because the mind fuckery of Scientology is really most powerful on the OT levels. And it really messes with you in significant ways. In fact, in a couple ways we're gonna talk about when we do the Tom Cruise ego thing because there's some stuff to say about that. Uh, as far as what's happening with people on OT7, that's where things really get whack, OT5, 6, and 7. You guys think OT3 is bad. Yeah, there's more. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jay Warren says, do you think Tom was imitating Dave as his character Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder? No, absolutely not. Um, it, Tom Cruise was imitating a couple of producers or bigwigs in Hollywood when he was creating the Les Grossman character. Uh, because there are people like that in Hollywood. Lots of them, right? The powerful people, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. That's, that's who Les Grossman was modeled after, is that kind of person. I don't know that he was modeling off of Harvey specifically, 
but he did say he was modeling off of people he had met in the industry. And, and it was a satirical, over-the-top, exaggerated asshole character. That's not how Tom Cruise sees David Miscavige at all. Tom Cruise worships David Miscavige. He thinks David Miscavige is the bee's knees. He doesn't see David Miscavige as a Les Grossman character. He sees David Miscavige as a holy figure, as, a, as, a, as, an, as the epitome of all that is good and right in Scientology. And David Miscavige represents somebody that Tom Cruise thinks he wants to become. Not, he, that doesn't mean he wants to lead Scientology. It means he wants to be like David Miscavige. That's where Tom Cruise is at on, on, on that. So, uh, so yeah, it had nothing to do with his, his interpretation of Les Grossman. Okay. Um, cool, Darla. I hope, I hope my channel has helped you heal. I, I do, and figure things out. Uh, that's what it's here for. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, Xion, do. do. Do email me that Junior Skeptic Baloney Detection Kit. I'd love to see that. If somebody has rewritten Carl Sagan's Baloney Detection Kit for children or for young people, that's awesome. Awesome. That is, that is I could not, I, I hope they did a good job. I can't wait to see it. Absolutely, email it to me. Um, yeah, exactly, Lauren. That's that joke. Um, that was that I, we used to tell that joke in Scientology. Uh, that's right. Okay. Um. <laughs> PM asks, do Scientology give Sea Org employees some kind of pension contributions to their retirement? That is such a cute question. No. No. In, in the Sea Org, you're making 50 bucks a week, max. You, out of that comes social security payments. You do have to pay into social security from your Scientology wages. Otherwise, there is nothing being done for you for the future, ever, in any way at all. There is no pension, there is no retirement fund, there is no, uh, you know, trust funds, little kitty for you. No, there's nothing. No. Okay. Um, well, yeah, uh, JMH, yeah, it is a religious belief to think that you have a spiritual existence into eternity. That's why Scientology is a religion, is because it's a, it's a religious, it's an applied religious philosophy, according to L. Ron Hubbard, right? So you have this philosophical principle or background of a Thetan and Thetans and, and life and spirits and all of that. And then you have this applied therapy called auditing, which is anything but therapeutic. And so that's what makes Scientology religion. That's how they get away with it. Uh, is because it's a spiritual practice. Okay. Um, yeah, MP, MP Marie, please do send me that link. I'm very, very curious about this gay Scientology group. I really want to see that. Um, that would be very, very interesting to me. 
Um, okay. I am not, okay, uh, Xion asked, am I going to post my thesis? I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I am, I have talked about it and I've given you guys basically the research results and I'm more than happy to go into that in more detail. Perhaps I should break that down in video form. Maybe that might be easier and more consumable for people as far as the full research results of what I came up with. But, um, but I am going to be publishing papers that will publish, that will get, you know, a little review in journals that will have that information in it. That is happening, but like I said at the beginning of the show here today, uh, it's a slow process getting published academically. So I wish I could speed that up, but it is what it is. Um, yes, I know, my, I know my audio is very low. Look, I'm just happy that you can hear me at all today. I, I'm using this lab and I, and I, I, I you know, that's, that's where I'm at. It's been a rough week with the equipment, guys. I'm sorry. I wish that this was easier uh, to do, but um, it, the live streaming is just, it, it's gotten, I don't know if it's YouTube, if it's me, it's what, well, I'm not really sure. Like, for example, when I tested my audio before I went live today, the sound was perfect. So I don't know why it's so quiet right now. It's very frustrating. Um, I, I don't understand that. So. Uh, I wish I was, uh, you know, a sound engineer and had all that knowledge, but I don't. So I'm just kind of winging it as best I can here. Um, okay. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, Angela, real fast. Oh, wow, we are really running over. I'm going to have to wrap this up soon, guys. Um, I'm, there's too many questions here for me to wrap up real fast. So, um, <laughs> Uh, I will answer this last question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to have to wrap up here. So let me see. Um, no, I do not think Tom Cruise will take over. People keep asking this. I don't know why. Tom Cruise has zero interest in running Scientology. That's not his thing. That's not his game. That's not what he's about. There's never been any indication that that would happen. I really don't understand why people keep asking that question. It's not Tom Cruise's role to run Scientology. And David Miscavige is the dictator of Scientology. Why does anybody think he even is interested in turning it over to Tom Cruise? That's never going to happen. And if David Miscavige died tomorrow, a Sea Org member is going to step up and take over Scientology, not Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has so much to lose by taking over Scientology and nothing to gain. So, no, that's not going to happen. Um, okay, as far as, uh, and then Robert, uh, will you now produce a socially scientifically valid e-meter video? I am going to tell you that the e-meter video I'm going to produce now is going to be a hell of a lot better than the one I would have produced three or four years ago. I will, add that, that, there's zero question about that. You are definitely going to be getting a better product. Um, so, thank you for your patience. <laughs> With, with my work on that. Um, yeah, the pinch test and all that. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're going to cover all of that in that damn video. Okay, guys. So, um, oh, Jay. Oh, good clarification on that, on that uh, Dave as uh, Les Grossman question. When he said the part I thought of Dave was when he asked the key grip to punch Steve Coogan in the face. I remember that scene, of course, from Tropic Thunder. And, and uh, 
And the thing is, David Miscavige um, could well do that, actually. That's a really, that's a good, good one. That's a good point. Um, but I still don't think that that was modeled after David. I, I don't know. I just know. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I, but that's a, that's a good clarification. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that, that go punch him in the face thing. That, here's, okay, actually, now that you brought that up, let me say this. Thank you. Let me say this. Um, the intensity, the, the drive, the intense... Les Grossman, you know, the drive that he exhibits, the it's my way, it's this is how it's going to happen, and I'm going to rip your fucking face off if you even think of doing something other than what I'm telling you to do right now. That is channeling David Miscavige. Absolutely. Now, it's not just David Miscavige, though, because as I pointed out earlier, there are other bigwigs in Hollywood who are just like that. I mean, word for word. So, you know, so was it David Miscavige we were seeing in Les Grossman? Maybe. Was it an abusive, predatory, you know, narcissist Hollywood producer? Yeah, it definitely was. So, do they have things in common? Yes, absolutely. Okay, guys. Cool. Um, Thanks, Shimoda. Thank you for that. I'm glad. I'm glad you caught us live too, guys. Um, okay. So, like I said, went way over here. Um, Jay, thank you. I'm glad that you heard that. And um, and yeah, we'll we'll see Gregory about the dull doctor thing. I, no plans on that right now, but we will see. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap up for today. You guys have been awesome. Thank you very much for coming around and watching and inviting me into your home. As always, I am very, very appreciative. And, um, and watch for new content this week. I think you guys are going to like it. If everything comes together the way I want it to this week, um, I think you guys are going to get blown away by what's coming. So I will only leave you with that. See you, see you guys soon. Bye-bye.